Good morning, everybody. I'm really sorry that I'm not able to be with you in church today. Um, however, looking at the weather this morning, I felt quite pleased that I wasn't able to be with you. Um, so here I am from home, and I hope you can all hear clearly. Who is my neighbour? Here's a not very interesting fact nor seemingly one particularly relevant to this sermon. Did you know that out of only, that only four of the 27 chapters of Leviticus are not completely about the laws of the people of Israel? So only four of them, and in, in fact, some of those have bits that are laws. It isn't exactly a page turner, it may be a cure to read Leviticus if you suffer from insomnia. And did you know that, according to most Jewish authorities, there are a total of 613 laws in the first five books of the Bible? The first commandment, which Jesus says is the greatest, is given directly by God to Moses on Mount Sinai, as recorded in Exodus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. But the second greatest, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, has no similar direct connection with Moses and only occurs in the book of Leviticus, where it's buried deep in the middle of chapter 19. And it's not even the beginning of the particular commandment. This is it. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Very strange that this commandment is only mentioned there in the whole of the Old Testament. It's almost obscure. And yet for us, it's just so, so important. Jesus was the first person to put these two commandments together and call them the greatest. But looking at these two commandments begs a question. You shall love. Can you order somebody to love? Can it be a command? You can if we're talking about love as action rather than emotion. And actions are what seem to be important here. In Luke's version of the same story, the lawyer asks a fairly academic question. Who is my neighbour? And Jesus tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. At the end, he doesn't ask the lawyer so then, who is your neighbour? Instead, he asks, who was neighbour to the man who was beaten up? No theory here. Practical action. Who did something? Then the all-important follow-up point. Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. The love of God is definitely about action. God so loved the world that he gave. 
the Greek word here is agape, this utterly selfless, unconditional love which God shows to us. God gave us his son so that we would not die. It's a doing kind of love. Go and do likewise. Alan has just been reminding us of one of the ways that we can do love as a church. Belinda's has talked about our stewardship campaign, which is also all about doing love, giving time, giving talents, giving treasure. I told somebody this week that last week only a quarter of us in the congregation had referred, returned the forms and they expressed horror and then realised that they themselves hadn't returned their form yet. So please, please do, if you haven't already, fill in the forms and return them to us so that we as a church can make the most of who we are. But it definitely, the love of God definitely is an emotional love as well. Of course, Jesus was an emotional man. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept when he got to the tomb of the dead Lazarus. We have no record of him laughing. And the Victorians painted him as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And nothing more. But remember, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Deuteronomy, it reminds us that God cradles us in his everlasting arms. So, yes, as we know, we can be commanded by God to love God and our neighbour, to go and do likewise. But we are also held by God hidden in God and filled with holy joy. A few weeks ago, I can't remember where, but I think it was there in church. Anyway, somebody was reading a passage from the Last Supper discourses of Jesus in the Gospel of John, familiar words. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, you know, you can hear passages of the Bible that you've heard hundreds of times before, but for some reason, this particular time is kind of different. Well, that happened to me here. I sort of suddenly sat up and thought, what? Run that by me again, the bit in the middle. I sort of said, run that by me again, sort of metaphorically, of course. I didn't interrupt the service. I'm a Methodist after all. It was that bit, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, just think about that for a second. As the Father has loved me, Jesus, so, Jesus, I have loved you. In other words, the love that Jesus has for us is no different from the love 
with which the Father has loved Jesus since the beginning of the time. That divine love within the Trinity, that is the way that we are loved. And all I could think was, wow, this is not a cold, dutiful love, but a warm, embracing one, compassionate, steadfast, eternal, unchanging. So the scribe said to Jesus, who is my neighbour? My brother Steve has lived in Texas for most of his life. The last time I was there, we went with his wife Sandra, who's a Buddhist, to the Zen Centre in downtown Houston. Steve calls in sometimes and has got to know the abbot, Galen, very well. She is one of the most beautiful and peaceful people I've ever met in my life. We went to find her and she was in the kitchen where we, she was preparing the evening meal, a chicken stew. As we got there, she was wrestling with the carcass of the bird. Ah, said my brother Steve, I see you are about to roast brother chicken. Galen, who is used to Steve, smiled and replied, Yes, and next I'm going to boil brother carrot and sister celery. Who is my neighbour? Today is the first day of the COP26 summit in Glasgow. Over the past few weeks, we have been fed terrifying stories by the media about what is happening in our world. Extreme weather events, melting ice caps, but also hundreds and hundreds of small stories that always don't get the full media attention. This week, I read about a small town called Campbell in the state of Wisconsin. Their water has apparently been polluted over decades by the runoff of the fire extinguishing foam from the local airport. Incidences of male testicular cancer and other diseases are, as one local medic put, going through the roof. That's Wisconsin. And by the way, the state Republican uh, Congress, Senate, decided that they wouldn't investigate this. Another story this week you may have seen on the BBC News. The Thames is now polluted, not just with the raw sewage that we hear a lot about, but with minute amounts, which add up over time, of antidepressants, headache remedies, contraceptive remedies, etc. These affect the lives of the fish and they stop breeding. It's terrifying. A couple of weeks ago, Alethea, Emerson and I went to Methodist Central Hall to a great evening event on climate change. It was excellent and it was challenging. One of the ways it was challenging, challenging was when a delegate there talked about our relationship as human beings to the natural world. Should, she asked, we regard the natural realm 
animals, plants, even rocks, as our neighbours, and as Jesus instructed us, go and be neighbour to them. Radical. Well, it isn't exactly a new idea. St Francis of Assisi preached to the birds and animals, and in his Canticle of the Sun, sang about my Lord, brother sun, sister moon, brother wind, sister water, brother fire, mother earth, and even sister bodily death. Now a small deviation. Being a cautious sort of chap, I asked Belinda to select someone to read this sermon in case the Zoom link doesn't work. She selected Roger Cottrell. Roger has been practising my sermon and trying, I presume, to imitate my rather strangled Yorkshire accent. But he emailed me when he'd read my sermon to tell me this. Richard, you may know that in very recent years in some countries, non-human entities have been given their own legal rights as persons. This is not news as regards some animals, but in a few countries, New Zealand, India, Colombia, Ecuador, for example, certain rivers have been given rights as legal persons. So your brother river has rights that can be asserted at law through its official appointed guardians, a bit like power of attorney. Thanks, Roger. I didn't actually know any of that. That strengthens this argument even more. We all know the hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful. It was written in 1846. But how many of us, I wonder, have sung verse 3? Not many, I guess. It was first omitted from a hymn book in 1906, and you'll realise why when I read it to you. This is the original verse 3. The rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate, God made them high or lowly and ordered their estate. Over time, our understanding of truth changes. The idea that God makes some rich and others poor is no longer seen as Christian truth. Over time, our understanding of truth changes. As we've been reminded, today is the last day of Black History Month. Do take, if you're in church, do take a last look at our exhibition around the church of some of the black men and women who led exceptional lives as, as pioneers and must no longer be forgotten or sidelined. The idea that God made some people white and superior and others black and inferior, we now know is actually offensive to God and is a disgusting travesty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over time, our understanding of truth changes. Not for the survival of a particular species or plant type, but possibly for the survival of our entire planet, at this critical time, our understanding of who is our neighbour must change embrace all that God created and we must go out of our ways 
to be neighbors to the whole of creation. And we have to remember that it can't just be an emotional love, like hugging a tree, not that I personally have anything against hugging a tree, but a practical one that fires us again to action, to fight for animal survival, plant survival, rocks, brother wind, sister water, and even for brother carrot and sister celery. This, Jesus said, is the greatest, second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And it's an order. Go and do likewise. Amen.